In these troubled times, it's difficult to peel oneself away from network news or the internet. Every story nowadays is likely to contain a reference to President Donald Trump. In fact, there are still stories coming out about the president's lackluster trip to Europe where he mingled with and shoved about European leaders with incendiary or glib remarks or literally with his tiny hands and arms. It's funny to hear the President of the United States talk about building walls between nations when you consider the past of the country we're visiting today. Germany. Now the land of polka, beer, and strong democratic governance, it wasn't always this way. Oh sure, there was beer and there was polka, but there was also a wall dividing the capital into east and west. The Berlin Wall stood from 1961 to 1989, and it was a symbol of deep division in Europe. But ever the resilient people, Germans ripped the wall down in a denunciation of division and the Cold War. Berlin has borne witness to countless historical moments. The first documentation of the now international city comes from the 13th century, where Berlin was the point at which two key trade routes crossed each other. Berlin has been the capital of most, if not all, the different versions of Germany we've seen throughout history, from the Margraviate of Brandenburg to the Third Reich. It was also where Indiana Jones had to go and retrieve his father, Henry Jones's diary, from the clutches of the Nazis. Now, Berlin is a world city, home to just about every kind of company, cultural experience, or creature comfort you could imagine, and yes, a good and pure fondness for fine beers. Join me as we visit a Canadian woman who's finding a home living in Berlin and working in the startup industry on the expats. Welcome to The Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Andrea Babic moved to Germany after a few different stints abroad for school, but her travels began when she was very young and were driven by the need for safety. Yeah, I was born in, in, in Bosnia, and I lived there until I was about five. Okay. And then my family and I moved to Canada as refugees. So I lived there about 20-something years, 20, 21 years. Yeah. And in my adult life, I moved around a lot, not necessarily super long-term, but for studies. I, I did a year abroad in England, and then I lived in Croatia for six months. Um, so yeah, and I, I, travel, I traveled to Europe when I was younger almost every summer. Was uh, when you came when you first came to Canada as refugees? What was that experience like integrating with Canadian society? Um, I was really young, so I'm I'm gonna base this off on what I think I felt. Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so I know that for me, obviously, it was a lot easier than for my parents because, I mean, yes, I didn't speak a lick of English at the beginning, uh, and my friends still make fun of me. They call me their immigrant friend, even though I've lived there most of my life. Um, but yeah, I just remember kindergarten was a little bit awkward at first because I, I didn't understand every, anything, actually. And I, I had to speak to people with 
my actions, which is funny because that's exactly how I felt last year when I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, yeah, sometimes. Um, for my parents, it was obviously a lot more difficult because they gave up absolutely everything they had built in their life to like secure a nice life for my brother and I. So I'm forever grateful for that. Yeah, I think that I think that's probably a very different perspective than most, uh, you know, Canadians who were born here have for sure. So it sounds like um, travel has been a part of your life forever. You've always been moving around. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I think part of it was because we had a summer, we still have a summer house in Croatia that my grandpa built. And like a lot of Canadian families go camping or go to their cabins, we would go to Croatia and spend our summers there when we were growing up. Um, so I think that sort of, because I've started at such an early age, I always had this feeling like I had to go back and see my childhood friends. And yeah, a part of me always felt like being in Europe felt a little bit like home. I'm not saying Canada isn't my home. It's also my home, but yeah. Yeah. You don't feel like a full Canadian when you're not. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Well, that's a really interesting yeah. perspective. Now, you are now living in Berlin. What is it exactly that brought you there? Because my assumption would be if you were going to move back to Europe, you'd move back to Croatia or that, or that area. Um, no, definitely not. Um, I would say Croatia, Bosnia, maybe in retirement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sadly and also luckily... I, I know of a better life, and that was my life in Canada. And I know that going back to one of the ex-Yugoslavian countries would not would not be the best <clears throat> idea for if I wanted to keep the sort of same standard of life. You know, the jobs are very hard to come by. People that live there are they struggle, and it wouldn't make sense in any way. So I think maybe in retirement when I can be at peace and not worry about a financially secure life. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. Um, but no, I, I moved to Germany because three and a half years ago, I met my boyfriend in England. We studied together and he's a German. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically why I moved. So um, we moved back to Germany last, last March, March 2016. Yeah. Well, he moved back. I moved for the first time. Um, <laughs> And before that, um, we lived in Canada for about 10, 11 months together after our studies. So we lived apart for about six, seven months. He stayed in England and I went back to Canada. And then he came uh, with a visa. Oh, okay. And he had a one-year visa, but we ended up moving because of many unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> that, yeah, just personal stuff. My dad passed away and... But my boyfriend didn't get a job in the field that he wanted, so he was—he felt like he was wasting his time. So we decided to move to Germany, and our first, um, well, the only goal we had was to be in Berlin because we came here a few years ago and really fell in love with the city. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't end up moving here until two months ago. Well, I moved two months ago. He's moving today. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm just waiting here for him. Oh, okay. Um, so he got a job in the south of Germany. It's a place near Frankfurt called Wiesbaden. And he took the job 
with the promise that he could go to the Berlin office after his around a, a year, which it's been now. So he's now coming to the Berlin office. Um, I'm already working here. I found a job at um, a startup. So last year I spent my time working a little bit part-time for a company in Edmonton and learning German. How uh, so. how has your German gotten? Was it difficult to learn? Yeah, absolutely. I've never learned a language as an adult. <laughs> Jesus, it's it's something else for sure. Like I, I speak two languages, so I think that helped a lot. Um, but yeah, it was something else. And German is very complicated. Um, their grammar is much different from, from English. Not that I could explain English grammar to anybody, but I just know it's a lot more complicated. <laughs> And I think the language thing is actually a huge, a huge problem. I mean, maybe if we had stayed from the beginning in Berlin, it wouldn't have been as, as difficult because Berlin is a very international city and a lot of people are like, you hear the English language all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also something that was very important to me because I wanted to be able to better communicate with um, my boyfriend's family. Right. Um, it's it's come a long way. People say it's really good. <laughs> I still struggle with accepting the fact that it's good because I know how I can speak in English or Bosnian slash Croatian. Yeah. And I know my German is not that good, so it's it's really difficult. It's it's kind of an identity struggle in a way because you can't be yourself around people because you can't say what you want to say. So I think that's a huge huge challenge to get through. No kidding. I, I yeah. often wonder about people who are learning another language because uh, I speak French as well as English and my French, because I don't use it very often, mm-hmm. isn't as good as it used to be. So when I'm in a place where, you know, they primarily speak French, I almost feel embarrassed trying to communicate with French people in their own language. Do you experience oh. similar feelings? Every day. Every day, like, there's so many times where I'm just like, ah, I want to say something funny. I'm like, this is going to sound so bad. I'm just going to sit here quietly and not be myself. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I find it's more comfortable with, um, obviously, my boyfriend and his family because they know me in a, on a more personal level. Yeah. And they understand where I'm coming from and they know how, how far I've come. But people that I'm just meeting or now people at work, I just speak in English. Like, I don't want to. I really want to improve my German, <laughs> but I'm so embarrassed to say something because I, I know there will be mistakes and it's just a different, I don't necessarily need to work in German. Yeah. Um, and most of my work is in English, but I'd still like to communicate with my colleagues um, in German. But when you know them, like, professionally, it's different. Like, of course, they're not going to judge me and they're going to be totally forgiving of it, but... Yeah, we are our own worst critics. So. Uh, yeah, it seems that way. But uh, tell me about the German people, uh, particularly the folks that you've met. Are they, you know, I always think of the range being either you have a sort of American attitude, you're brash, you're loud, you're 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 really vibrant, or you have a Canadian attitude, you're polite, you're stoic, you're kind of goofy and funny. Where do the German people lie on that spectrum? Oh, that's difficult. Um, a lot of the German people that I've met um, are quite aware of the world around them and they're relatively westernized so they know the same music they understand the jokes they know the shows the movies things like this so i don't feel a huge difference and a lot of them yeah they're they're a lot friendlier than than i expected but also there are things about 
the German culture that are not like the Canadian culture, which I honestly miss a lot. And people make fun of me for being Canadian or too nice or stuff like that. That's definitely a stereotype that never dies. <laughs> what are some, um, what are some of those cultural differences that that you just alluded to that that you miss about rel- Canada? Yeah, they're relatively private people. Um, it's diff- more difficult to break to break through them. And this is something that I, I really like about them. They also don't really beat around the bush. They just say it how it is, which is kind of that Balkan side for me that I miss. That a lot of Canadians don't. Um, they're maybe too friendly or... We're not maybe. very direct. Yeah, exactly. So Germans are a lot more direct. Um, they really like beer. <laughs> it's not a lie. <laughs> um, Has that served yeah. you well out there? Is like, have you, did you have a fondness for beer before or have you acquired a fondness for beer? Um, sadly enough, I have a gluten allergy. So. Oh my gosh, are you serious? <laughs> So yeah, no, I they they I've seen a lot of gluten free beers though, so well, yeah. I've tried a couple. They're not bad. Oh, good. Okay, well that's good. Um, what are some of the other things that you find yourself missing about Canada as you're sort of living your life there in Germany? I'm just gonna like not on a pert. Well, yeah, okay. So <laughs> everything is closed on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot. I just will not accept it. Okay, not everything. Like. There are some cafes and some restaurants that are open, but like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, Monday, like we had a holiday on a Monday. So you had to buy everything on Saturday for mm-hmm. the next like two, three days. Like if you need something, sorry, if you want to go and like spend your holiday Monday at a museum or like going to some sites, I don't know, closed, just really? closed. Yeah. Huh. And I'm trying more and more to just accept the fact that the, the reason why they do it is because they want to, to show the importance of giving people time off. And so from that perspective, I totally understand it. And maybe we need that too in Canada sometimes. But yeah, it's just really annoying. Yeah. Sundays were my shopping day. <laughs> <laughs> when you need eggs. Groceries, everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have to just be able to go get them. That's interesting. Yeah. I- um, but more importantly, obviously, family and friends. It's um, it's something that is on my mind every single day. And sometimes when I'm really frustrated about the distance between the people I love and myself, I think like, God forbid, like I love my boyfriend, but I'm just like, is love enough? Like, why am I doing all these things? Why am I giving up so much to move across the entire world just for one part of my life? So. Yeah, it's a constant, constant struggle. Yeah. Does does technology like Skype and Google Hangouts and all that stuff help? Like, are you in contact frequently with your family in Canada? Actually, WhatsApp is how I can contact people oh. regularly. So I talk to all my, my friends on WhatsApp. And um, I was in Edmonton in March uh, visiting family. And I got my mom an iPhone so that we could FaceTime. So <laughs> she-, she learned... She learned how to use a, a, a smartphone, which is nice. So we talk lots, actually. It really does help because even now, like the last few days, she was busy and um, out of town and didn't have a Wi-Fi connection. Well, she didn't know how to connect to Wi-Fi. She needs help with that. <laughs> That's one more thing you have to teach her next time you're back. Yeah, here. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel I feel the void for sure when I'm not able to talk to my friends and 
it's sometimes that feeling like I know they haven't forgotten me and like I know they're living their lives, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, did they forget I exist because I'm not physically there? It's interesting because I think that a lot of a lot of people who live abroad are worried they're missing out on a lot of stuff and then they come back home and like nothing has changed. Do you experience those kinds of feelings when you come back to Canada to visit? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, there. I mean, for me, like what's important is just like, being with my friends, like, I'm not scared to miss, like, big moments. It's just, like, these small things, like, watching movies at home with my girlfriends, just these small things you kind of take for granted when you have them all the time. And, yeah, but when you're when you're there physically, it's like, okay, well, I was here yesterday. It, it really doesn't feel like you left at all and, like, you don't feel the pain that you just felt from missing them for the last six months, year, whatever it is. Yeah, sure. So, what about um, yeah. what about plans? I mean, obviously, you guys, you and your boyfriend, you spent some time in the UK. He came to Canada and spent some time here with you, and then you moved to Germany. Is Germany home for you know the next five, ten years, or, or do do you know what the plan is? Is there even a plan? I would say after many years of traveling around and now going through this, like last year and a bit, um, if we can't make things work here for whatever reason, then I'll just go home. I think I'm as like, obviously I'll continue to travel, but I think this like massive picking up of my life and placing it thousands of kilometers um, somewhere else is, yeah, there are other things I'd rather be doing. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think our plan is yes, to stay, to stay in Berlin for the next years, see how things go. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to call this place home for a while. And then after that, maybe go back to Canada, maybe see where everybody is. Maybe all my friends will be moved by then. Yeah. My mom will be moving next year or so for retirement. So and we'll, we'll see. Will that mean for your mom a return to the Balkans as well? No, she's kind of in that same boat where, I mean, she... Not that she doesn't know people there anymore, but like she lived, she built her life for the last 20 some years in Canada and her friends are there. Um, so I think part of what she'll be doing is spending time in Nicaragua and then maybe some time back in Canada. Wow. For her, um, a very warm climate is important. <laughs> She's getting older and um warmer climate is better on her bones yeah my parents are the same i mean they moved to calgary which you know as you know is only a couple hundred kilometers south of edmonton but (laughs) still south (laughs) still south the weather's different so whenever they come up here to visit they're like i don't know how you can live here and i'm like you guys moved here from europe like and and lived here for like 50 (laughs) years i don't know how you could live here Um, you did this not me yeah this is your fault Um, my last question, Andrea, is uh, really about what kind of advice you would give to people who are considering uh, moving abroad, either for school, for work, or to, you know, to follow a loved one. Is there anything that you would tell them that you wish you'd known uh, before you embarked on your expat journey? Um, it's going to be really difficult. Um, and not so much like, yes, there's a lot of like bureaucratic paperwork you have to get through and look for an apartment and all these things that you'd probably also be dealing with in whatever city you're currently living in, but it's going to be, can I swear? Yeah, please do. It's going to be like a mental mindfuck because there's always this like 
balancing between, okay, my life here is great. I have what I wanted. I went for this incredibly scary and brave thing that I wanted to do. And then the other one's like, what the fuck am I doing? It's so much more comfortable just being at home where I don't have to deal with this every day. Like what you ask yourself why, because unless you're running from war or some higher reason, you will ask yourself why you're doing this because it is difficult and you miss people, you miss things, you're used to certain things. And when you don't have that every day, it's, it really gets to your head. So I think, um, I, I guess the moral of what I'm trying to say is um, it's not always better to go with what's more comfortable and what's easier. So eventually it will be worth it and you'll get to a place where you're sitting in your apartment and you realize like, holy shit, I just went through a lot and I moved across the world and yeah, I did it and I'm still alive and survived that. So yeah, just brace yourself, I guess. But yeah. it's worth it. Be, be ready and hang yeah. in there. That's great advice. Awesome. Take some mental therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can't find that, there's always gluten-free beer nearby. Exactly. <laughs> that concludes this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself, and let's keep building this global community of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. You can find the expats on Twitter at Expats Podcast and on Facebook by searching Expats Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the expats on the iTunes Music Store, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play. And make sure you leave us a review. That'd be swell. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.